Today we're continuing our series for the season of Epiphany um, entitled Shine a Light, where each week we're focusing in on a different light that Christ has brought into the world and how we as followers as Christ, how we as disciples, as children of God can receive this light ourselves and then in turn shine that light out for the world to see. Today we're, we're kind of shifting course a little bit to talk about a little different kind of light. This is a light to cast out fear, something that we as humans know deeply in our souls. Um, fear is such a big part of our lives and the world around us, yet the God we know in Christ has brought a light into the world to cast out this fear and help us walk together as children of God. Friends, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 27th Psalm, beginning with the first verse. And you'll notice that we we jump around just a little bit in there. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says. Seek his face. Your face, O Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me. O God of my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As some of you know, my former congregation was a small church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Though this church was in the city limits, it did have some woodlands around it, and with that we had our fair share of wildlife on the church grounds. We would occasionally see deer, rabbits, occasionally in a... um, a bear apparently or two, and don't tell Marie, but we did see a snake or two while we were there as well. But what stopped me cold in my tracks one day was when I encountered a coyote. I had never seen one before in the wild at least, and when I saw it, I was terrified. It crossed right in front of our driveway when I was coming home one day. I went into the house, and, which was on the church grounds, the, the pastor's home or manse, and called our property elder because the city boy from the north did not know what on earth to do. He assured me it was all fine, don't call animal control, but with a, a wife and newborn at home, I was deeply worried about this for some time. That's what fear can do, right? It can be debilitating. Fear can shut us down to our very core. Now, while some fear, of course, is is helpful, it's a protective measure, 
um, almost an instinctive thing. We also know that fear can make us unable to move, can make us unable to stand up. It can keep us from living our lives to the fullest. Fear can even cloud our vision, perhaps even our outlook on life itself, making us see doom and gloom rather than hope and peace. I might be exaggerating just a little bit, but that's how I felt knowing that we shared those woods with a small pack of coyotes. At least that's how I felt until a little later when I was down the hill from the house at the church office. From my office window, I saw not one, but two coyotes walking through the church parking lot and sniffing out our dumpster. I was about to dial up our property elder again, who I could just see rolling his eyes at the thought of me calling him about this. But then I noticed something out my window. Our office manager, a wonderful woman from East Tennessee who grew up on a farm, was out there in the parking lot shaking her keys, yelling and hollering, telling those coyotes to scram and to get lost. Please don't try this at home. She was a professional. (laughs) They, of course, did, and they quickly ran off. When I asked her about it, she simply said, Jim, they're just coyotes. Unless you're with a small dog or child, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Again, a professional, don't try at home. Sometimes someone or something can set us free from our fear and can allow us to keep going, right? This is a phenomenon the psalmist knew well and expressed so um, clearly and eloquently in in our reading this morning. Now, a quick overview, though, friends. The psalm functions as the church's original prayer book, as well as our original hymnal. In some Christian traditions, it remains the only hymnal. With its 150 psalms, every human experience under the sun is expressed at least once to God in prayer. From joy and praise, from sorrow to anger, even resentment, even resentment and anger towards God, all of these things are expressed in prayer, and in song. Feelings of uncertainty, doubt, even betrayal, all of these and then some are lifted up to God in prayer. When in doubt about how to talk to God in prayer, the best place to turn is the book of Psalms. Now our reading this morning, Psalm 27, is known by scholars as a prayer for help. But it stands out a bit, I think, amongst the other prayers for help in the Psalms. Most of these Psalms are allocated, their their verses are allocated pretty evenly between petition or listing why help is needed, complaint about the lack of help from God and from others, and also an expression of trust often tucked in at the very end. But if you notice, this Psalm leans heavily on trust in God to trust in God throughout with no complaints really to be found anywhere. The psalmist here so trusts in God's goodness and redemption that he is certain that God has his back no matter what, that there is nothing he can face in life without God right there by his side. This psalm is is really his way of lifting up this help, of, 
of, of sharing it out, knowing that God is there with them no matter what. 19th century German theologian Friedrich Schleiermacher said that the ultimate aim of the Christian life was absolute dependence upon God. He even calls this absolute dependence the essence of religion. I think the psalmist in our reading this morning comes about as close to this kind of absolute dependence as it gets. His deepest hope and desire is to dwell in God's house, so knowing that God is with him no matter what, that he lives in God's house. For the psalmist, his trust in God, his absolute dependence upon God, is enough to cast out any fear that comes his way. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Light and salvation. An interesting choice by the psalmist to say that God is not like a light, right? But that God is my light. We often think about light as something that illuminates, that makes a path clear that once was hidden or blurry or unclear. Back when I was in college, Marie and I met working at a summer camp uh, called Massanetta Springs over in Harrisonburg. Some of our youth know that place very well. During staff training, I remember that we had to learn the intricate trail system of the camp um, well, and how we needed to know it so well that we could navigate it at night, even without a flashlight. Again, city boy from the north was nervous, skeptical, and afraid. Yet my more seasoned colleagues assured me that it would be okay, so I gave it a try. Remember, at first I couldn't see a thing, but little by little as my eyes adjusted and as the moonlight um, shown down, I was able to see the path and keep moving forward. So sometimes light is, we understand light as something that illumines, that, that makes clear or, or um, uh, shines the way forward for us. But there's another thing about light in the Bible I want us to take a look at that I think is important for our reading. Scholar Jerome Creech claims that the psalmist here is really looking back to the creation story in Genesis. Do you remember at the very beginning when God looks out and sees nothing but dark, formless void, big, dark nothingness? What does God do? God creates light and then separates light from darkness, creating night and day. In this sense, light is a source of stability and order, making light, separating this light, day from night, light from darkness. To the psalmist, God is this light, a source of, of control, a source of stability, a source of order in an otherwise chaotic and disordered world. In this way, God is a light which can cast out any uncertainty, any disorder, or as the psalmist says, can cast out fear itself. You know, after a few years of pandemic life, we all know a thing or two about fear, right? We know what it's like to live with fear, whether about the pandemic or the state of our nation or world. 
or our fears over the destruction that we do to God's good creation. We worry and fear our economic situation in the event of downsizing at the company or recession in the economy. As humans, we worry. We fear. The psalmist boldly reminds us here that God is this light. God is this force of stability and order and control in the universe who loves us just as we are and will never let us go. With this all-loving, this all-powerful force behind us, of what or of whom could we possibly be afraid? The psalmist's confidence, then, is contagious. It can help us receive God's light to cast out our fears, our worries, our concerns of whatever we happen to face in this life, trusting, absolutely dependent, that God is there with us right in the midst of it. Now, I want to make an important note here to clarify something I've unfortunately seen a little too much from our siblings in Christ um, in recent years. Trusting in God's light to cast out fear doesn't negate taking necessary precautions. Nor does it excuse us from listening to the recommendations of experts, scientists, doctors, scholars, so on and so on. We could still be worried and probably should be when our best and brightest raise deep concerns about our environment, our health, about geopolitical matters, and so on. The difference here, friends, is that with God as our light and our salvation, we know that ultimately these fears cannot hold us back. They no longer have that debilitating effect I I talked about earlier. We can trust that they no longer have dominion or control over us and that we know ultimately they will not, they cannot have the last word. Like the psalmist, once we receive this light, we can shine it out for others to see as well. In the broken and fearful world in which we find ourselves, we are called to be like this psalmist, proclaiming our hope, our trust, our absolute dependence in God's light and power and love. I'd like to close with a poem that I think so beautifully and eloquently depicts this. Now, this is a poem written by Jan Richardson, and she wrote it for Christmas, but leave it to a pastor to take take someone's Christmas poem and says, you know, it's really better for this season of Epiphany, or it fits really well for this season of Epiphany. But I think her her words here um, of this poem, entitled, How the Light Comes, can really help us receive this light of God to cast out fear, to receive it ourselves and also how to take it and share it with others, how to shine that light for the world to see. So friends, please receive this reading. I cannot tell you how the light comes. What I know is that it is more ancient than imagining, that it travels across an astounding expanse to reach us, that it loves searching out what is hidden, what is lost, what is forgotten, or in peril, or in pain. That it has a fondness for the body, for finding its way toward flesh, for tracing the edges of form, for shining forth through the eye, the hand, the heart. 
I cannot tell you how the light comes, but that it does, that it will, that it works its way into the deepest dark that enfolds you. Though it may seem long ages in coming or arrive in a shape you did not foresee. And so may we this day turn ourselves toward it. May we lift our faces to let it find us. May we bend our bodies to follow the arc it makes. May we open and open more and open still to the blessed light that comes.